Welcome back to the Shema Podcast, my fellow warriors. Today we are going to discuss and learn tactics for battling our Yetzirah. The very reason we're here, the reason God created the Torah was an antidote to the Yetzirah. But I want to fast track this. I want to get down to learning exactly who our enemy is and what our tactics are for being successful in our lifelong quest. Mashiach comes from the line of King David. King David was a warrior. He is represented in the Sephirot as Malchut. So we all have a King David inside of us. That's a part of us. And in this quest, we are supposed to be a warrior and a fighter like King David. So I asked the great Rabbi Nagel to come on and be our commander, our general, and teach us the art of war, the tactics for battling our Yetzirah. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Rabbi Nagel, thank you so much for joining us again on the Shema Podcast. Such a pleasure to have you here. And back by popular demand, I might add, since the last episode, I've gotten several emails and correspondence saying, Dan, bring back Rabbi Nagel. So glad you could be here with us. Well, it's truly an honor, and it's amazing watching your growth and watching the growth of the podcast. It's always been, from my first listen, it's been a truly inspiring podcast. You know how to bring the message alive, and it's really, it's just an honor to be here. Amazing. All right, so the the subject at hand is, you know, as I sort of pointed out in the intro, this is it. I mean, this is why we're here, to learn Torah, because it's there to help us battle the Yetzirah. I sort of see it like the reason we're constantly being referencing in our in our prayers is about leaving Egypt. And it's this idea of it being in the present tense, is this is the Egypt, the way I see it, that Hashem is trying to empower us to free ourselves from. Is that an accurate statement? It's absolutely an accurate statement. When you understand the Hebrew language, you can appreciate the depths of the idea. Egypt was not randomly named in Hebrew the word Mitzrayim. That's just the name of the, of the country. But it's the same words as Mitzarim, which is boundaries. And it's like being in jail. It's like being locked in locked in, fettered. And that's where we were, fettered. We were tied. We were tied down. We were bound to other people telling us what to do, dictating our every move. And the holiday of Pesach is the holiday of freedom from that. But it's not freedom from servitude as much as it's freedom to proper service of God. And that's what it's all about. And the way to do that is to really remove ourselves or be able to be free from, like you say, the Yetzirah, that evil inclination that limits us and creates boundaries that we can't get out of. We're sort of locked in a rut and basically jailed. And that's really what it is. And this is the process of the Jewish people when they left Egypt was exactly that process to develop, to develop themselves first, to be able to receive the Torah. But it starts with the first step, and then by the receiving of the Torah, that is actually actualizing it with the Torah being the ultimate tool in this battle with you. 
Perfect. Great. Thank you. So start off, if you will, sort of talking about the real role of the Yetzirah, where his domain lies, what his purpose is, and then sort of, if you can, sort of lay out a playbook, some tactics, so we can at least have all the skills and tools we need to be successful throughout our lives uh, in this battle. Okay, so first of all, it's interesting when you introduced the subject, you said you sort of wanted to pattern it after The Art of War, which is a pretty cool book of, of this warrior who describes basically basic battle tactics with how to win the war. So what I find fascinating about that comparison, that it reminded me of a Talmudic passage. The Talmud tells us that there was a person who just came back from a major battle, and he's coming back to town. And then someone who noticed him coming, you know, with all his battle scars and everything, successful in the battle out in the field. And he said, okay, you came from the small war, but now we're going to the big war. We're going to the real war. And the real war, of course, is the war that's an internal battle. It's a battle of the Etzahara. And how that really is what the Talmud describes, that eternal battle is much harder like having an enemy within, you know what I mean? Right. It's a very big difference. It's a lot easier when you have your enemy outside. I haven't really read the book recently, <laughs> but but I have read it. Um, and, you know, it's a very straightforward, simple directives of like, you know, what are the basic tactics? You need the element of surprise. You need um, various, there's various tools. You need to know your enemy. You need to know their strengths and weaknesses. Burn the bridges of a tree. Right, exactly. There's all kinds of tactics of the way of working that battle. And the parable is very, very important because when you think about the the war against your your Yetzir Hara, it really helps to know your enemy. And really, that's, I guess, what you're starting me off with. Like, what is the nature of this you know, this what we call this evil inclination, and what's it all about? It's fascinating to think about what it, what its purpose is. But so let's go back to a little bit creation, really. Okay, so there is a midrash in Parshas Bereshis. It says that the that God saw all that He did, and behold, it is exceedingly good. What was the exceedingly good? Zehamaves. This is death, or Malachamaves. This is the angel of death. That's what's exceedingly good. Okay, when you think about it in some manner, like what does that even mean? How are we to understand that idea? Okay, that this is sort of what God found in found in His all of His creation to be exceedingly good. That is the angel of death, which is as we as the as we're taught by the rabbis, the angel of death is the same, one and same being as the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. It's the Malachamaves. It's all one, okay? Right. And what is that? Okay, so that means that the entity is a good entity ultimately. Now, why is it good? So the basic purpose of human existence can only work in a scenario where we are going to have free choice. In order to have free choice, there has to be two choices. A choice of good and a choice of bad. If you don't have two choices, if you don't have good and bad choices, then we're going to be out our whole purpose of existence. So that's the idea, that having this Yetzirah is what puts out this challenge. 
the challenge that we are able to grow. And that's how, and through that, that we become the masters of, of our own greatness. That's what really how you achieve greatness. You know, the idea of no pain, no gain is always is part of the idea. It's like it's the effort, it's the difficulty, it's the challenge. And succeeding in that challenge is really, that is our purpose in this world. That's very part and parcel of it. Because we are free choosers of the good. We're choosing from a choice that is not good. And that choice is what elevates us. Not only does it elevate us, it elevates the entire world. Okay, so that's the background of the nature of why this Yetzirah is there in the first place. So it's there in a way to help us. I was thinking like, you know, my wife used to be a personal trainer. And at times, I'm sure the people she was training thought that she was like the Satan. (laughs) He doesn't make stop, you know. But in the end, they know that they hired her because they're there. She was there to help them become more fit and stronger, right? So it's the same thing. It's the resistance necessary to grow stronger. Exactly. So I still remember my dad when he, he, he fell down one time and he needed physical therapy. So he says they're physical terrorists, not physical therapists. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Because uh, they're pushing you, they're pushing you to stretch in ways that are very, very difficult. Now, what's very important to remember is that this Yetzirah is not this idea that, I think it's a very Christian idea to view it as some external being that's pushing us. And what we really need to recognize that it's very, very much internal as part of us. It's a desire within that we have that wants to make the worst of two choices. And that's very important to think about it in that way because that's part of the idea of knowing your enemy. Knowing their enemy is knowing that the enemy is in you and it's you, it's part of you. I've seen some confusion on that matter where someone once said to me, they got a flat tire on the highway, it was raining outside. And they said like the Yetzirah's, you know, really is coming at me. And I clarified and said, no, 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 no. The one that caused you to get a flat tire while it was raining outside, that was Hashem. Hashem is the one that controls the things in the outside world. Now, granted, it may be that the Satan came and said, I want to test this guy before you provide blessings, and Hashem authorized it and made it happen. Where the Yetzirah gets involved is how we internalize it and respond to it. Exactly. And the truth is, what's one of the biggest things that people don't realize is like, classic example of where our main effort needs to be in life is like for instance in our attitude towards whatever happens to us and depending on how we the attitude that we take to things recognizing that things are from god and taking it in that sense we are um, elevating ourselves by having that and and the whole experience is a changed experience it's already you sort of removed the veil of what the Yetzirah is trying, doing, who he is, okay, by having that proper attitude and recognizing God's role in everything, and this is just the Yetzirah that's part of me that wants to do the wrong thing, that's trying to bring me down, well, once you know that, the game is really up, in a sense, for the Yetzirah, and that's the, that's one of the key things, is reckon, like, like we say, know your enemy, that's, I think, a very big part of it, knowing that the enemy is within you, And it's all those parts that motivate us to do the things that we know better, that we know we shouldn't be doing. And it's part of us. And it's there. And we recognize that it's there. So that's a key thing. Okay, so I think that's step A. So let's we're going to organize what we're trying to say. Know 
yourself because that's called knowing your enemy, knowing the Eitzhara, okay? And know what motivates you. And just this past week, I don't know if you were there, but I spoke about the lessons of Parshas Mishpatim and how it teaches one to see the other perspective and how important that is in develop in, in one's own development. Because so many times through life, all we see always is through how we see things and we're not able to see from the other side. And that is, again, it's a key element in development of working against our Yetzir Hara is to be able to see from without a biased position of what is motivating us and that what motivating us is actually a negative desire or not positive things. And you're only able to see that when you're able to see in a sense, from somebody else's eyes. So that's a very, very important principle, important step, actually, in one's development. You mentioned earlier how the Torah is like the antidote to the Yetzirah. And there's a, that's actually a Talmudic passage that describes how if the Talmud tells us, if this disgusting one meets up with you, so it says, bring him to the house of study. If, it's, if he is a stone, depends on how the Yetzirah will manifest. As a stone, well, the stone will melt in the fire of the Torah. If it's, a, if it's a iron, it'll spark up. Okay, so all of those are things that messages that there's some tremendous power in the Torah to help develop oneself. Okay, now, what is it about Torah that... How, how is Torah able to do that? So, simply, probably in many ways, okay? But on a very simple way, what, the more, when one studies Torah, and especially Talmud, for instance, you're studying Torah, you're learning, and you come to an argument, and you're seeing two sides arguing it out of the great rabbis that are actually each proving their point so well. It's a pleasure to hear both sides. You're hearing... Both sides so eloquent, so powerful, so forceful. And when you see how there can exist two completely opposite sides with a perspective that's uh, making so much sense, that itself is a way to develop the one's ability to see things from the other side. So that, to me, is one of the key elements of what Talmud is able to do for a person is, again, that very thing that we discussed earlier. It develops one's ability to see perspective and to understand more than one perspective and more than one way of seeing things. All of that is crucial, again, in the battle of the Atara because we're not able to see our flaws. We're not able to see ourselves how we present to others. And that's a way to start developing. Okay, so that's, to me, a, a key element. Amazing. Well, what about other areas of Torah, like Parsha? Does that have the same power, or is that that uh, passage really just referring to Talmud for the reasons you just stated? The house, I think it's primarily Talmud. I would say so. Okay. The more, uh, to me, let's say we're learning Torah, the stories of the Torah. When you're learning it with the right view, you will see so much of life's lessons, especially the stories in Navi thinking and contemplating about these stories. They're the full gamut of human experience. And that itself is so educational because once you see 
in front of you, the two sides, the experience of somebody making a poor choice and then living with the results of that poor choice, those things start saying, hey, wait a second, you know, that's me. <laughs> that's right. exactly me. And the more we realize that, you know, and that's why the Torah is, is, is specifically doesn't whitewash the events of the great of our great people. Right. They they made mistakes and they're out there and they put them out there and that's specifically for the purpose because the whole purpose of the Torah is what Torah means. Torah means to teach. And I think that is also true that the teaching of the Torah is a very tremendous way in uh in developing our ability to learn and to change and to grow. In that sense, I think it's also true. Amazing. You know, it's because it's the idea, too, that Yetzirah Hara has no power over us in the evaluation of things that are external, which is why we're so great at finding the flaws in other people, right? So when you see a situation external, then you can see it clearly and then apply it back to yourself. So, exactly. And that's, that's, uh, that's one of the tricks, the, the, the tricks that we can do to help develop our ability to, to overcome our Yetzirah now, there's another very crucial component of what the Torah is there, and that's studying the mitzvahs of the Torah and learning about the various commandments because all of them, the more we try to fulfill them, they all are tools that help us become better people. Not just in the direct act of what we're doing, what we're told to do, but it's like, let's give an example, like the mitzvah of tzitzis, okay? You have a four-corner garment, they have fringes on it, and it's there to help remember the mitzvahs of God. Well, how is that an, isn't that an amazing thing uh, to have those reminders? Half the time, we're so caught up in life that we forget about what's important in life. And having that reminder, just a reminder, it's like tying something around your finger, to remind you of something, that's exactly what it's doing. So performance of mitzvahs are part and parcel of the very same work that we're doing in developing ourselves to become better people. If you look at the gamut of mitzvahs between man and his fellow man, how we need to have kindness to others, how we need to think about the others, how do you have to have mercy on the poor, on the downtrodden, charity, all of these things are things that help develop our good traits. And by building up our good traits, that itself, you sort of elevate yourself to a different level. And then things that you would have contemplated doing, you're no longer thinking in those terms anymore. You already elevated yourself to to someone who is considerate of others. You're not going to be as selfish anymore. So to me, that's the, the mitzvahs themselves, the study of those mitzvahs very much help in developing oneself to grow, to become a better people, to become more compassionate people. So Talmud is in the realm that we discussed earlier, but the mitzvahs as a whole and the Torah as a whole, just studying it for studying sake of seeing what I need to do, they're there. Those are tools as well. Not that that's the only reason for the mitzvahs, but they're tools in building ourselves and having compassion to others. These good traits, developing them and building them up is what is going to help us in the end become people who are able to overcome our personal challenges. Okay, that makes sense because a lot of the mitzvot are, they're there to remind us about the other aspects of Torah, like you mentioned, tzitzits. Although I 
I really have thought about putting a string around my, around my finger, you know, to remind me to look down at my seat seat so I'll remember the next <laughs> vote. Because sometimes I forget. But yeah, you look at the the mezuzah on the door. Everything's just those reminders. Right. You kiss the mezuzah when you walk into a room. You know, sometimes you do that, you know, on autopilot. But if we would if we would be conscious of, of what we're doing, those things are tremendous tools in elevating ourselves. Prayer itself is a wonderful way to also to help, you know, come to um, the recognition that it's not about me. It's about my interface with God. And that's what I'm doing in prayer. And those things are actually also ways of building ourselves, becoming uh, better people, becoming more compassionate, becoming more, you know, recognizing our place in this world and God's place in this world. I'm not God's gift to this world. The world is God's gift to me. So so wonderful. But even with those things, being observant, I still have those struggles. And I'm not sure whether to go right or whether to go left. I don't know whether it's my intellect, my Nisham is saying, this is the way to go, or whether it's the Yetzirah saying, no, you should go that way. And often I can tell if, if there's emotion involved, don't do anything. Because I know the Yetzirah is always trying to like circumvent the intellect and go right to an emotional state to get his way. All right. I want to get to another uh, one of the tactics, okay? As a little kid, I was a big book reader. So we used to go to the library and we used to take up books. So there's one book that I took that was, uh, you know, a little pam- little small book written for children about judo and about the fight and how, what judo is all about. And judo is about, you know, using your enemy's energy or strength against them. That's how you're able to overcome. And I think that one of the very important principles that the Talmud tells us about the fight against the Eitzahara is to recognize that a frontal fight is a losing battle. Okay, Many times what you need to do is to use that energy and turn it to, to the good. And that's, a, to me, a, one of the key things. So giving the, so the Talmud, it's not a Talmud passage, it's a mission in Pirkei Elvos. It's a, it's a, Ezehu Gibor, okay? That's what it says. Ezehu Gibor, who is the mighty man? Okay, what's true might? What's true strength? Hakovesh es Yitzro. Now, the word kovesh is an interesting word. Kovesh means to subdue, but it's to get your Yetzer under your control, to be able to let that energy, let that strength work for you instead of against you. That's what that is. And that takes true strength because it's, an inter- like, like we said before, it's a very internal battle. But you have, everyone has emotions. Everyone has, you know, his, like, so the, I'll give you an example. So the Rabbinu Yona describes how there's four elements Okay, there's the element of fire, the element of stone, the element of or dirt, okay, the element of water, and the element of air, okay? Now, many years ago, I had a, a teacher explain, don't think these are like ancient ideas, you know, the four elements that are like completely, you know, once we have the periodic table, it's kind of useless. It's actually not true. It's uh, very, very relevant, even in modern science. It's basically the four forms of matter, what's being described here. Solid, liquid, 
gas, and energy. Okay, so I was blown away when I heard that from a rabbi years ago. It's like, yes, E equals MC squared was an ancient formula. Okay, that the en- that energy is part and parcel of matter is old, old news. We knew that already. Right. Okay, now the rabbinian writes that every person has a different makeup. They all four parts of these components are in every person, but different people run differently. Some people, the fire element is stronger, and some people, the water element is stronger. Some people, the earth element is stronger, and some people, the air element is stronger. And they're opposites. And they were, and, and understanding that, that those are the elements that, compri- that we're comprised of, those are the physical elements in a sense of who we are. And some people, so just to understand, let's say somebody who has fire as his primary element, he's going to have anger issues. It's very hard for him because he's a fiery person. It's in his nature. And water, on the other hand, is very different. It's connectivity. It's the opposite of fire. But his is the area of desire, okay? okay. The physical desires, though, that's where his weak point is. Very different. And it's interesting that Chazal tell us that somebody who's high on the fire end, you can't get him in his area of you know this personal physical desires. That doesn't that doesn't do it for him. That's not where that's not what a strong drive in him. It's going to be one or the other. Those two drives are incongruous with each other. Okay, and the same is with earth and air. Earth has um, earth is like a lot of uh, sadness is part of it, depression that, that's connected to earth. And air is, in a sense, also an opposite. It's like frivolity, lightheadedness, airiness, okay, um, being like not serious. Those are all the, those, two, those four elements are working and everyone is comprised of all four of these to different varying degrees. And all of these is needs you know comes to bear in a person you know, you knowing who's what's drawing you know knowing yourself knowing which type of person you are so let's say a person is of a fiery nature so you know have to know how to subdue that fiery nature for the good you're using it in a positive way and that satisfies your internal physical need to use that form of energy that's that's the principle and that's the same idea. That's what I mean, like a judo move of, of taking that fire that you have and utilizing it in a positive light. Talmud tells us, for instance, that somebody who has a strong desire for blood, so don't let yourself become a murderer. Instead, become a ritual slaughterer. So you, that the, the drive that's there, you're subduing, you're drawing it into a way, into something positive. So it's it's not about defeating the enemy. It's about using right. Is it this is why in the Shema it refers to hearts in the plural? Yes, exactly. That because that's really what the goal is. Absolutely. How what does it even mean to serve God with your Yetzer Hatov and your Yetzer Hara? What does that even mean? Your Yetzer Hara is telling you bring it down, doing everything wrong. Yeah. The answer is is that. That's not necessarily true. It's, it, it, if you let it go unchecked, if it, you let it go wherever it leads, that is going to bring you down. But if you channel it right, then it's going to bring you up. It's going to elevate you. And it's going to give you energy. Amazing. 
I love that. You know, I was thinking like three or four months ago, I, I, I did something I regretted and I did the shoe before. It's like, it wasn't good. Felt bad about it. But then I, like, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I even sort of knew it's like the, my Yetzirah is just like now wanting to tear me down of its tactics. And I couldn't sleep that night. And I finally just let go and said, you know what? I should make me feel bad about that. I'll take it. You know why? The more pain I associate with that, the more I know I'll never do that again. And it was sort of the same idea. You twisted here. it around. Yeah. You turned it against itself. Yes. Exactly. And that's okay. part of the process. So can you give an example like of each of these? Like you gave one of, uh, you know, desire for for blood and channeling it from being a murderer to, you know, being a moil or... Uh, right. So immorality, and that's the, the aspect of water. But there's a lot of positive things that can be... It's connecting to others in a positive way. It's a question of how do you do that? Do you know, you're, can you do it in a... In a, in a just elevate that those attributes in a positive way. That's what it's talking about. Okay, gotcha. What about like earth though, where you describe it as, as sadness? How, how would you rechannel something well, like earth, that? Well, earth is two things. It's interesting. Earth is sadness, but it's also solidity. So there's a, and they're both, and it's part and this parcel of the same thing. It's like a person who is strong in the earth, he's solid. He doesn't get moved easily. He, you know, for better, for worse. Okay, right. a person who's the opposite, who's in air, is constantly blown in every direction. You never know what's coming. Okay, right. but you need to use that solidity to keep your consistency. So it's like getting something like somebody who knows that he's very earthy needs to strengthen his. You know, like recognize the good qualities of being a super consistent person who's like day in day out doing the right things and whatever. And not letting the sadness get to him or whatever. Don't 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 fall into a depression. And sometimes you need to take a little you know point from the op- your opposite end and start you know, saying you know I can learn a little bit from the the other attitude of being a little bit you know light. <laughs> you know sometimes you know you don't have to always be giving all the way to that to that attribute. You can you can take a take a little card from the opposite attribute and just mix it in a little bit with. What, what, who you are primarily. Because it's true that we have all four of them. Some are stronger than others, but it doesn't mean that they're not all four there. That's what, that's what we are comprised of. Okay. Have you observed over your life that when people get married, they tend to marry, that Hashem does the matchmaking with people that have opposite strengths and weaknesses in these four areas as a way of helping the other to rectify it? To me, that's one of the, uh, you know, God's tremendous senses of humor and how he puts two people together. That um, I'll give you an example. My, my parents, my father was a, uh, he dated met over 100 women, okay, in his time on shidduch dates, you know, like uh, matchmaking dates. And he, he was, he had a whole list, he had a whole checklist in his head of what kind, what, what he's looking for. And he had tests that he used to test his prospective bride on to see how good they are at those things that he thought in his mind was important, was not important. And what, so like, I'll give you an example. It is something that we don't have nowadays. But in those days, if you were lost, you needed a map. Okay, if you ever, okay, so if you ever, so he would pretend to be lost, he'd pull out the map and he'd open it up and it's like, oh, this is the way we go. Then he'd hand it to his 
future potential bride and um, and say, can you just fold it up and put it back? And anybody who ever tried folding a map <laughs> right. knows that it's uh, it's one of those Chinese puzzles that are right. impossible to get back the same way. Yeah. But somebody who's patient and who has who is neat and organized can figure out where the creases are a little th- stronger and whatever and they will fold it right. And that's somebody who he could see a lot of positive qualities that he thought was you know, beautiful, wonderful qualities. And, of course, my mother, I think um, she did not uh, do very well in that test. <laughs> I think she just cr- like got frustrated after two seconds and crumpled it up and like <laughs> stuck it into the glove compartment and then uh, shoved it shut. Right. But that's, of course, who he married. So you think one thing in your head, but there is something that you're needing that's in the opposite personality that you crave. Because a lot of times you subconsciously know something that you need for yourself. Right. Like and that's... Right. Anyway, I'll give you... I'll, so the word that we call in Hebrew, the Talmud describes... The Torah describes a spouse as an ezer connecto, a helpmate who is opposite him. The word opposite is crucial there because they... It has to be that you need somebody who's different than you. In fact, the opposite of you to help. It's not going to be a help when you're both the same way. And try raising kids when you're both super neat freaks or both super type A personalities. Right. And you raise your children. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. The balance, the, the combination of two different types of parenting styles is what will be very healthy for a child to grow up in such an environment. So, And not only that, but both parents rub off on each other in a little way. And that is going to help tremendously in their own personal growth. Absolutely. Right. Because I would think someone who is maybe more earth would be attracted and a little envious of someone that was more air. And then maybe vice versa as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, they, and they're going to want, and that's, what, of course, spouses, you know, it's not, they say that spouses start looking, after a number of years, they start looking more like each other. But that's a, a sign in my mind that they're starting to rub off on each other in their personalities and what, you know, what, what makes them tick. Anyway, that's a very interesting component. But it's a, also a very important thing that when God said, Lo tov adam levado, it's not good for man to be alone. This is really what it is. When you're alone, you're part of just yourself, your own world. You're not. You're only enforcing all the wrong, all those things that you need fixing. Right. So that and that is so that is part of the tactic of succeeding against the Yetzirah is through our our marriage. Yeah. One of the tools to achieving our the goal in life of growth of becoming a better people. Right. Absolutely. I, I do remember that I was. I had no issues, and I was totally perfect prior to getting married. <laughs> right, and then after you get married, you start to learn that uh, maybe that's uh, not the case. <laughs> so I, I love that advice, and I love how you uh, explain really what it is that we're trying to accomplish to, to rechannel these things. Are there other ideas that you've learned the Torah Talmud that we should be taking into consideration? I think let's let's keep it at, at something that we can work with. So we, we let's summarize in a sense. What did we learn? So we learned a, quite a number of tools that we have. We have the tools of a Talmud study of developing one's ability to see things from other perspective, which is a tool 
in the process of the Yitzhara, of the battle against the Yitzhara. We learned how, by studying the mitzvahs and performing them, that gets us to be more compassionate people, that gets us to, helps us, those things all help us in this path of developing ourselves. And again, what you brought up about the spouse and about how uh, having a spouse and knowing our different attributes is crucial in developing our ourselves and our growth in what makes us up, knowing who we what we're made of, and subduing that and developing that in a positive way instead of a negative way. And I think I am going to change the official title of this podcast to be instead of the art of war to judo moves with Rabbi <laughs> Nagel. Because that's I, I love that that insight. That's very powerful. That's extremely helpful. So I appreciate you sharing that. Those are some great action items and techniques we can take with us. Thank you, Rabbi. Is there anything else you want to share with us? No, but keep going and keep up the good work. It's wonderful. Thank you, Rabbi. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.